Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and encouragement to your life. For a list of messages, to stream live services, and for updates about events and more info, visit lifechurchroa.org. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. All right, so let's go ahead and open up our Bibles, and you're just going to park there for a few minutes because we're going to talk Matthew chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. We've been in a series called what? Anybody remember what our series is called? Go Go Be Church. Listen, anytime I preach about something like that, God always tests me. Okay, and so I'm hoping that you're getting tested too a little bit and that you're getting the opportunity to go out and be church. You're getting the opportunity to to do these things that we're talking about. I believe the Holy Spirit orchestrates sermons in our lives for a reason. Okay, because it's what we need in the moment. And so here's what's happening in, in my world. God is testing me on these things. Will you capture kingdom heart? Will you create kingdom excellence? Right? Do you carry kingdom value and see other people's in the way, people in the way that, that, that I do? All right? And then today we're going to talk about casting kingdom vision. Somebody say vision. Yeah. So over the years we've talked about casting vision. Now there's a read. This, this series in some form or fashion comes up once a year on purpose. Okay? I promise you it's not just that I'm getting lazy and repeating sermons. Okay? The first time we talked about it was a few years ago, and we talked about casting in the, in the way of like a mold, like casting in metal, okay? The second time we talked about it, we talked in the form of fishing, like casting, okay? Today, I want to talk about it in a little bit of a different twist. Like, I want to talk about it as in being cast for a role, like an actor would be. Everybody following with me today? I want you thinking along those lines, because if I don't tell you that, you're going to think casting like metal, you're going to think casting like this, especially because we're going to talk about fishing. And so automatically, your mind's going to casting like this. I don't want you to think about that. I want you to think about being cast in a role, Okay, like in a movie or a play or something along those lines. Okay, most of us have been cast in roles, even if not for a movie or a play, but in life. I'm cast as a pastor. I've been cast as a friend. I've been cast as a dad and a husband and a son. Right. Can everybody relate to that? Right. What on the count of three, I just want everybody to say something that you've been cast as. I want to make sure everybody's on the same page and I'm believing for the Holy Spirit to sort some of this out in my head as you say it. Okay. You ready? On the count of three, I just want you to say something you've been cast as out loud. I don't want you to, don't, don't whisper it. I mean, Mom, nah, be proud of how Jesus has cast you. Okay. That's what we're doing. Listen, we're casting kingdom vision today. There's some authority in that. We just said it. He is our champion. There's authority when we speak. Mountains can move. Okay, so on the count of three, I just want you to say something that, that you've been cast as, all right? You ready? One, two, three. Oh, man, I like it. Some of y'all were really loud, okay? I heard, but Jesus heard what you said, okay? Uh, He did sort it out for me, but it's okay. That's good. All right, so I want you to be thinking along those lines. Don't switch on me here. When I start talking about fishermen, don't be thinking about casting a line, okay? We're gonna get there in just a few minutes, but I need you on the right track with me. If we're not on the same track, I'm gonna leave you sitting at the bus station and we're trying to get somewhere today, okay? I don't wanna leave you at the bus station. So we're talking about it in the form of being cast in a role. So it isn't just that we can be cast in a role. 
things that we have can be cast in a roll, right? Right, so, so we went recently and we started looking for a new table, a new dining room table. We had a dining room table that set up, it was like bar stool height and it set eight people. But we found ourselves uh, constantly having more than eight people, okay, at, around our table, which is both exciting and frustrating because anytime you get to seating more than eight people around a table, the price of the table goes up astronomically, okay? I mean, really, that's, it just, it is what it is. So we started looking for tables that could see, I'm looking for a table that could seat our five comfortably, like in once in one way, but then also stretch and, and be able to seat like 12, 14, 15, 18, 20 people, okay? And I found one, but let me tell you the secret about tables that big. They cost a lot of money, okay? So I found one that I couldn't afford. <laughs> let me just put it that way, okay? I, just, I, I saw it online, I was like, this is the table? And God was like, I can afford that, but you can't. <laughs> I'm like, okay, then God, you're gonna have to make it happen, all right? And so I honestly began, kept looking, kept praying. And Facebook Marketplace is one of those new things around in the world that just sometimes is really amazing, all right? And we found a table, okay? I'm gonna show you a picture of our table. Uh, I think it's gonna be up here as long as everything goes as planned. Oh, it's stretched weird, but that's okay. This is our table, okay? Uh, it's Amish made, it's oak, but has a cherry stain, all right? But that's not the cool part. It didn't cost us an arm and a leg. God, God laid on a brother and sister's heart in Christ to price it in a price range that we could afford. They don't know us. They didn't know we were looking for a table. In fact, there were five people behind us who wanted this table. We just happened to send the message first, okay? People who were willing to show up with cash and outbid me, but this lady was like, nope, I told them they could come look at it first. I'm gonna give it to them first. If they want it, it's theirs. So we drove, we left church a couple Sundays, not a couple Sundays ago, it's been a couple months now, I think February. Me and Malachi left church with the truck and a trailer and we drove two hours, okay? And we pull up to this place and literally it's like Batman's house, okay? Bruce Wayne and Batman, I'm sure there was a Batcave under there somewhere. Like we pull in and it's like, nice, okay? We get in and we begin talking about it. They ask us a little bit about ourselves. We talk about the table and what we want to do with it and how God has laid on our heart to have people over, but we have, we have five people in our family. And so if you have, a, if you have another family come over that has even four people, or it's, it, the table's not big enough. I want to show you the coolest part about this table though. Check it out. Let's go to the next picture. This table extends... <laughs> I'm sitting on one end, Malachi's on the other, okay? And it extends to seat 18 to 20 people. Come on, Jesus, right? Go to the next picture because you can't, you don't get this, there, there's the picture, right? And so I, I wanna tell you this because one of the issues that arises with that bigger family is anytime you invite some people over, you have to have separate tables. I don't like that, Okay. Most of you haven't heard a sermon from me that talked about how we relegate kids to a kid's table at dinners and we do the same thing in church sometimes and Jesus never intended that, right? And so we want everybody at the table. I don't want a kid's table over here. I understand, I understand we have to do it, okay? I get it. 
I, I get why we physically have to do it when we eat meals. But in the church, that isn't supposed to happen. They, ha- they are the present of the church as much as we are. And so when I think about setting around a table, there's so much that happens around setting around a table. That table is not just a place for us to eat. It is a, it is a, a thing that has been cast as something different for me. And I want you to pay attention to this. Because every time you see Jesus teaching something really important, it's around food. Okay? Occasionally you'll see something where he's not, but it's around food. God laid that on my heart. We began talking about it. I read a book that was called From Tablet to Table. And it was incredible. It really challenged me to say, okay, we need our table to be a place where people gather. Okay? And so it got me thinking about kingdom vision and, and how God sees things, okay? And so when we see this table, I want you to hear what we see, the kingdom vision that we see. We see a place where our kids learn. Our friends laugh, our family lingers, and strangers love to be. We see a place where important decisions are made. Imagination runs wild, influence takes root, and inspiration is abundant, We see a place of sharing, savoring, serving, and sheltering. Above all else, a place of shalom. We've cast the table with a kingdom vision. It's a tree. Hear me. It's a tree that somebody shaped into being a table. But so was the cross. Say that one more time. So was the cross, and it was cast as something so much more important than just a tree. When we begin to cast kingdom vision on our things and ourselves and people around us, it changes how we see them. This table is not a place where we sit around and eat. It is a place where everything I just read to you happens because it's been cast differently. You and I have been cast differently Jesus has cast us in roles that, that we never thought we were, maybe we never thought we were equipped for. There's roles that we don't even know that he's preparing us for. This morning as I was sharing this with the board and the staff in prayer, uh, somebody piped up and said, you know, sometimes the director even shapes the role around the person because the role isn't quite exactly what, and I believe Jesus does that. Look at Peter. Right? He, he coaches the person into that. And so today, I want you to begin to look at things differently. What is the kingdom vision for your car? What's the kingdom vision for your money? What's the kingdom vision for the successes that you have? What's the kingdom vision for everything that you've ever done? Begin. What's the kingdom vision for your children, for that person who's sitting at, at, the, at the restaurant that uh, was maybe grumpy with the waitress and you thought, oh, I'd never be like that except you were last Sunday. See, casting kingdom vision for our table brings its value into full view. Last week, what did we talk about? Worth and value. Okay, and how we carry kingdom value. Casting our table in the, with the kingdom vision brings its value, that this table is more valuable than its worth. If you are here, go back and listen 
And you heard it on the announcements. You can go back and listen to a podcast now. You don't have to go to uh, YouTube or any of that. You can do it through Spotify. You can do it through Apple Podcasts. You can do it through all kinds of other stuff. If you want a list of what you can do it through, you gotta see Paul because I'm not smart enough to know all that. Our table's been cast in a different role. So what began as a seed, grew into a tree, was formed into a table, made to dine on, but so much more. It's been cast for a different part in the kingdom of God. And it's just a table. But imagine what would happen if we began to seek God and allow him to recast us. Imagine what it could look like if we allowed him to recast what we own. If we allowed him to recast our family and our church. What part do we play in a grander kingdom scale of our community? I get excited when I think about that. I get excited about what might be what I can't see, but what God has already seen and he's moving us towards. So I want to ask you today, can you see it? That grill you got for Father's Day is not just a place to cook. It's where friendships are solidified. That money in your pocket isn't just paper with ink on it. It's food for someone who's hungry. That gift card is not just plastic with a little bit of worth. It's closed for that kid who's going back to school and now understands they're valuable. That greeting card is not just a piece of paper. It's life for someone who's bought into a lie that no one cares. We have to cast kingdom vision so those around us can catch kingdom vision. What does it mean to catch a vision for something? It means that it becomes more what it is. The sum of its parts and purpose are nothing compared to what God can do with it. You don't believe me in all this so that you know I'm not just giving you some inspirational speech and mumbo jumbo. Let's look at scripture and see what Jesus has to say about it. Matthew chapter 4. We're starting verse 18 and read through 22. We've got a lot of scripture today. Okay, hope that's okay with you. If it's not, you can take it up with Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, 18 through 22. One day, somebody say one day. As Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. Right? Another version might say, Stop being fishermen and come, being, come be fishers of men, right? He's, he's calling them out. And when you look at how this is worded in the original language, this is a time when he calls them out for good. He is saying to them, put down the nets forever and come be my disciples here, Okay. He's saying, I want you to come. I want you to come follow me. I want you to see what I'm doing. I want you to become a part of what I'm doing. I want you to believe in it. I want you to sacrifice for it. And I want you to trust in me. And so, guess what they do? They put down their nets. Doesn't make any sense to me. Every time I read that, I think these guys are crazy because if somebody came to me and said, stop doing what you're doing and follow me, Where are you going? Why would I follow you? 
right? These guys, these guys were men of faith already in, in some level because they knew who John the Baptist was. They knew the Messiah was coming. We're gonna get to that. But they weren't so faithful that they would just give up everything on the spot. But here in this instance, we see and we read that that seems like that's what happened. And so it, verse 20, and they left their nets at once and followed him. They wouldn't have just left their nets. They would have also left their dad and their boats and all kinds of other stuff. Okay. Verse 21, a little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. Nets were very important and they, had, they would get tears and stuff in them. So these guys knew what they were doing. They took care of their nets. They wanted to make sure you would repair your net every day if it needed to be repaired because they would rot very easily and be, and be messed up very easily. And if a net is messed up, it's not gonna catch any fish. All right, that's a sermon for another day. Tuck that one away. If, if your net's got a, a, got a rip in it, you're not gonna catch anybody, right? You're not gonna be a fisher of men if your net's messed up. We're not talking about that today. That one was free. You can hang on to it. A little further up the shore, he saw these guys and he said, it says, he called them to come to and they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Now, if you ever wonder when you're reading this, this is a pretty normal scripture. We read this fairly frequently and we talk about it quite a lot, but what would cause these men to just all of a sudden trust and surrender in such an incredible way? Well, the simple answer to that <laughs> might be that they were just of such great faith and Jesus was glowing or something and they just wanted to see what was going on. But as you dig into scripture, you find out that this particular instance is not the first time that they've encountered Jesus or Jesus has encountered them. Each one of the gospels has a, an, a story of where the disciples encountered Jesus, the first disciples encountered Jesus. Matthew and Mark tell the same story, okay? Luke and John tell two different stories that happen at two different times. So you got three encounters that we know of, and there's probably more, but there's three encounters that we know of that the earliest disciples came to know Jesus. I told you a lot of scripture today, okay? So if you're taking notes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write the word cast, C-A-S-T, from top to bottom, okay? If you're not taking notes, you need to bring a notebook next week and take notes, okay? C-A-S-T, and I want you to do this. Coming out from the C, I want you to write come and see. Come and see. The first thing Jesus is gonna do is he's going to invite the disciples to come and see. So the, one of the first encounters he has with them is John chapter one, verses 35 through 39. It says this, the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. Now, I want, I want to stop here because I want you to watch how many times Jesus or one of the disciples is cast into a role, okay? Cast into kingdom vision here. John had to have kingdom vision to know that Jesus was the Messiah, okay? He, he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. And as Jesus walked by, he could have pointed and said, hey, there's Jesus, 
we've hung out a little bit. We kind of know each other. Uh, our moms met when we were in the womb and I jumped and left. I was told that in the womb and all this stuff, we he'd go through all this stuff, but he doesn't. He introduces him as the lamb of God. So when John's two disciples heard this, they followed, logically, they followed Jesus. John had been preaching Jesus. John had been telling them that the Messiah was coming. And now all of a sudden he was walking past. And so his disciples think, you know what? We're going to follow this guy. We want to know more about him. Up to this point, they didn't really know anything other than what John said, that here is the Lamb of God. So the following day, John was again standing. Uh, we, 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 let's go back to 36. I'm sorry. Verse 36. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. Have you ever, have you ever noticed when somebody's following you? Like you can feel them, like they're, you can kind of feel them behind you. And it's kind of freaky. I'll be walking behind somebody down the hallway in such close quarters down these hallways. I'll be like, you ever feel like somebody's following you? Yes. As a matter of fact, I do. And so Jesus turns around and he says, I love this. Hey, what do you want? He probably didn't say it that way. That's the way I read it, right? JCV, Josh Krause version, just because I like to have fun with scripture. He just turned, what do you want? They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Look at Jesus' response. I love this. He says, come and see. Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. Come and see. Jesus asked these two disciples an important and logical question, a question he still asks us today. What do you want? What do you want from Jesus? They wanted to know him more. They wanted to know where he was staying because they're going to run and get some friends and they're going to tell him, hey, we found the Messiah. Let's go talk to him. And they're going to go spend some time with Jesus. Jesus says, come and see. He's beginning to cast them in a kingdom role already. He just met them. He's putting them in a place. Look, I, I, don't just follow me. Come and see. Come and see if what John said is true. Come and see if the way John cast me is fair. And oh, by the way, I'm going to begin casting you in a role that you can't even begin to imagine. Come and see. Jesus did not refer them back to John the Baptist, but invited them to see. He's a visionary. Jesus is truly a visionary. He's casting for a vision. He's not looking for those with idle curiosity, but for those with a real desire to know him. He invited them into his home. His space was no longer his, but was cast as a place to come and see. See, it isn't just about people being cast. It's about the things that we have, the places that we call ours, being cast as something that the kingdom can use. When we talk about casting kingdom vision, it's seeing cameras not as something to just record and take pictures, but as a way for the gospel to go out into a world that absolutely needs the gospel, a way for people who can't get out of their homes to come in, to, to be able to be a part of the body of Christ. A way for people who are maybe scared to come in or hurt to see that not every church is the same. We begin to cast it in a different light, cast it with the kingdom vision, and it changes the way we see it. It changes what it can do. It changes what, it's poss what is possible. And so Jesus is beginning to do this. He says to them, come and see. 
I love that the gospel writer remembered the time and, and recorded the time of day because this was a pretty memorable occasion. It says that two disciples left John and, and we know one of them uh, by name because we're gonna hear that here in just a second. And the other one is uh, by most commentators assumed to be the author of this, the, the one who wrote this book, John. Right? He never refers to himself by his name. He just, he just talks about himself. And so the, most commentators assume that it's John. And this was such a memorable thing for him that he remembered the time of day it was. We all have moments like that. We all have moments that are so important that we never forget them. They can be good things. They can be bad things. They can be crazy things, right? I can tell you the spot and the time of day I was standing when I heard about 9-11. I can tell you details about the day that I asked my wife to marry me. Because we remember those things, because they're important. Because when we come and see and we begin to be cast in a different light, we begin to be cast in a different role and things begin to change. See, the day that I asked Casey to marry me, I began to be cast in the role of husband. It's memorable to me. It changed the way I interact. My role began to shift. Jesus does that here. He's beginning to change. They're no longer going to be disciples of John. Come and see. They're going to be disciples of Jesus. We're still called to come and see today. It's part of catching a kingdom vision. Jesus is casting us for a new role, and he wants us to come and see. That isn't it. That isn't the only thing. The next thing that we're going to read about Go ahead and give you the point ahead of time because if you're taking notes, you need to write it down, then I want you to pay attention. The A in cast, so you got come and see, now you got accept and believe. Watch what happens. Let's keep reading. John chapter one, we're starting verse 40 this time. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men and heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Okay, so Jesus says, come and see. He tells them where he lives, says, come and see. He finds out where he lives, and then he takes off to find his brother is what we're about to find out. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus, looking intently at Simon. I want you to imagine this because I want you to see how crazy this is. If I walked off of this stage right now, looked you square in the eye and said, your new name is Steve. You might say no. (laughs) Especially if your name is not Steve. (laughs) Okay. If I looked you square in the eye and said, your new name, whether you like it or not, is going to be Pew. You might not accept that, right? Watch what happens though. Jesus looks intently at Simon and he says, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Peter. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't accept that, okay? I'm not sure I would like that. Yet Jesus is casting these men in a new role, a kingdom role with kingdom vision. And so something about what he says catches Simon and Simon just accepts it. 
I don't know if he was just, if he just thought Jesus was a little crazy, right? You ever met those people that they just say things, you let them talk because you're afraid if you interrupt them, they might go off on you, right? Their crazy might show up and you don't want that. I don't know what Simon was thinking, but he just accepts it. He believes it. Okay, based on what John the Baptist had to say, now what Andrew is telling him, then seeing Jesus face to face, Jesus says, by the way, we're no longer going to call you Simon, we're going to call you Rock. Now that's cool, that's a cool name, I'll give him that. Okay, somebody Rock walked up to me and be like, hey, your new name is The Rock. I'm like, all right. The next day, it says in verse 43, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Coincidence? I think not. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And immediately Philip does this. He says, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Watch what Philip says. Come and see for yourself. Are you making the connection here? Jesus has cast these men in a role and they are beginning to play it because it's a role that is, it's visionary. It's from the kingdom of God. Now what Jesus told the first disciples, his disciples are beginning to tell people. If you think you can go through life without being cast in your Christian life, without being cast in a role that does not share the gospel, that does not share Jesus with people, you are wrong. First thing he does, come and see. As they approach Jesus, it says, now now here, Jesus says, is a genuine son of Israel. Jesus lays it on thick every once in a while. All right. Every once in a while, he lays it on thick and he's doing it here a little bit. He says, now here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Mind you, this guy just insulted Jesus. Okay. Nathaniel says, how do you know about me? And Jesus replies, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Here's that casting again. Jesus. This isn't just about coming and seeing. Now we need you to accept and believe if you're going to be cast in a role that is kingdom purposed, kingdom reasoned, you're going to have to accept and believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He says, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, watch how quickly that changed. Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Stop here for just a second. I want to make sure I point out Jesus is casting them in a role and they are beginning to play it because when you cast a kingdom vision, people respond. It's not my vision. When I say, when I talk about the vision of life church, it's not my vision, it's God's vision. And when we're casting kingdom vision, People begin to not just come and see, but accept and believe. Jesus asked him, do you believe this? Just because I told you, I've seen you under the fig tree, you will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God coming up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. 
Andrew, who's catching the vision that Jesus is casting, goes to his brother and tells him to come and see. And Simon does. Interestingly enough, any time Andrew is mentioned in the Gospel of John, he's bringing someone to Jesus. He's catching the vision Jesus is casting, and Jesus is casting him in a new role. Andrew's an evangelist, disciple maker. Through the centuries, this is how most people come to faith in Jesus. A Peter has an Andrew who introduces him to Jesus. This is natural because it's the nature of the Christian experience that those who enjoy the experience desire to share their experience with others. We share the gospel because it's natural for us to share the gospel. Because our experience with it is life. We want other people to experience that. In giving Simon a new name, Jesus told Andrew's brother what kind of man he would be transformed into, how he was going to be cast. By the way, Peter was one of two uh, uh, of the first people who shared the gospel. Okay, after Jesus rose from the dead, uh, Mary Magdalene was one, and Peter was the second one. So you have uh, Mary the tower, Magdalene means the tower, and you have uh, Peter the rock that share the fir- that for the first time share the resurrection. Peter goes on to lead the global church. He accepted this new name, this kingdom vision that Jesus was casting. And oddly enough, he doesn't rebut or he doesn't give Jesus any attitude. Here's the thing. I told you earlier, my name's Joshua, and if you tried to change it, I probably wouldn't let you. Come and see naturally leads to accept and believe. Because there's no one who can deny Jesus. And as he begins to accept, as these guys begin to accept this new role, they've encountered him now for what this this incredible encounter that they've had with Jesus. And they just begin to accept and believe. Even the skeptical one. Come and see. He accepts and believes because he's being cast in a new light in a, in, with a kingdom vision. Jesus invites them to come and see and when they did, they accepted and believed because Jesus cast that incredible vision. But Jesus isn't done. This is one encounter, okay? They eventually find themselves going back to their boats. They've encountered Jesus They've come and seen, they've accepted and believed that he is who he says he is, but he hasn't called them out of those boats yet. And so we're going to fast forward now, and we're going to look at their next encounter, and that's in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Jesus is continuing to cast this vision for them. We're going to see them, if you're taking notes, we're going to see them do this. We're going to see them sacrifice and follow. They're going to sacrifice and follow here. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11 says this. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. 
He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. Now, the reason I put this one a little bit after the the, the encounter with uh, Jesus that we just talked about is because he calls him master. He knows a little bit about Jesus already. If somebody got in your car and said, I want you to drive me somewhere, would you just drive them or would you tell them to get out of your car? Okay. I I mean, honestly, we're trying to follow a a logical flow here. Jesus, Jesus gets in the boat. They know a little bit about him and they're even, he's even willing to go put out, he's tired right? You ever been tired and your kids ask you to do something and you're like, nope, I'm just too tired, okay? I just imagine that this is what, what Simon felt like, okay? And so, but he puts out anyways. He goes out, he throws out the nets, and this time it says their nets were so full they began, that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners Uh, in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partner, or his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now, talk about casting a vision, okay? Others saw a boat, Jesus saw a pulpit, okay? Jesus is really good about making things pulpits, making things altars. He knows what he's doing here. And so he preached from some pretty strange pulpits, and a boat was one of them. Simon or Peter must have felt privileged that Jesus wanted to teach from his boat. Doesn't mean he wasn't tired. Doesn't mean he wasn't kind of like, you know what, we've, we've, we've been out here, but okay. After it finished teaching, I believe Jesus just wanted to do something nice for him. Show him a little bit about, remember, he's casting this vision in their life. He's creating a new role for them and their stuff. That boat became a pulpit. So he tells them, go out. Peter could have made a lot of excuses, but instead he only tells Jesus that they had done it all night. And even so, let's go. His faith was well rewarded. When they got back to land, they left their stuff and followed Jesus is what it says. Now talk about casting vision. If Jesus could do this with fish, imagine what he could do with anything else. Peter sacrifices his boat, his time, and eventually everything to follow Jesus. Now we're getting closer to the men who would walk away from everything to follow Jesus full time. Okay, In that moment, they walked away from the boat, they followed Jesus, and, 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 and I believe there's one more encounter that they have that Jesus is, is going to come back to them, and it's the very first thing we read today. And these two encounters, the one in John and the one in Luke, 
led up to Jesus being able to say, I want you to give up everything. I have completely recast your life. And what you thought it was going to look like, fisherman, is nothing compared to what it's going to be, fisher of men. Jesus has been casting them. He began by telling them to come and see. Worship team, you can come. Accept and believe. Sacrifice and follow. Finally, we're back full circle to Matthew chapter 4, where they trust and surrender. It says this, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon also called Peter and Andrew. Men who had already come and seen, accepted and believed, sacrificed and followed. Now he was calling them to something more. Each encounter, amping it up, giving them a little bit more vision about what life was going to be like. Jesus calls out to them in verse 19, Matthew chapter 4, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. They left their nets at once and followed him. The wording there indicates that Jesus was asking them a different question than what he had before. Had done things and talked about things deeper than what he had before and now he's telling them, I want you to follow me full time. I want you to leave everything. You got the role. Take the vision. Cast it yourselves. Jesus saw these men soft eyes I don't really watch crime shows much but the other day I read a quote from one called The Wire I don't know anything else about it so don't go home and be like pastor said we should watch this show it's not what I said and I will call you out on it because I don't know anything about it other than this one quote I was reading a book called 5Q it's all about Uh, the five gifts of the church or to the church, apostles, preachers, teachers, evangelists, that kind of stuff. And he quoted it. uh, The author quoted a detective from from the show, The Wire. He said this, you know what you need at a crime scene? Soft eyes. If you've got soft eyes, you can see the whole thing. If not, you've got hard eyes and you're staring at the same tree missing the forest. Basically saying, if you go in with preconceived ideas, you go in with how you think something ought to be or what other people define it as, you're not gonna see everything. Jesus casts these men in a role that nobody in the world would have. They weren't very educated. They weren't even really exciting guys. They fixed nets and went out and threw the nets out, pulled in some fish. 
Yet Jesus saw them with different eyes than the world saw them. He saw their stuff, taught them how to see their stuff with different eyes, with soft eyes, with kingdom vision. Taught them how to cast kingdom vision in a world that needed to desperately catch it. We need soft eyes. If we're gonna cast kingdom vision, we have to have it. Jesus didn't see fishermen, and it's a subtle difference in our wording, but it's a world of difference to them. He didn't see fishermen, he saw fishers of men. Casting kingdom vision requires soft eyes. They come and see, accept and believe, sacrifice and follow, but ultimately, trust and surrender. Bow your heads and close your eyes all across the room. We're almost finished. This conviction, and that's what we've been talking about, convictions about being the church. We see this conviction play out in the book of Acts where it tells us that no one saw their own their own stuff as theirs if someone had need they just met the need we see it play out in acts where paul who was a murderer and a persecutor of christians is cast in a new role And how people had to accept that new role because they had to have kingdom vision. I believe that Jesus is casting us continually in kingdom roles. It starts with us coming and seeing. Come and see what Jesus is doing. And accept and believe that he knows what he's doing and he's called us to this thing, whatever it might be. We would sacrifice and follow him. Trust and surrender to him. That we would see everything in our world, every person, every item every entity with soft eyes what's the kingdom vision when I walk in my house what's the kingdom vision for my checkbook what's the kingdom vision for my for my computer and my cell phone and all the books that I read and the kingdom vision for my children and my spouse the kingdom vision for my connections with other people for my talents and abilities if you can play an instrument or sing or draw or maybe you're really good at at, at designing things maybe your talent is something that you don't even know is a kingdom talent 
I recently encountered a, a lady who is, an, is incredible at cleaning. And to her, maybe, you know, she, she might just think that's my job. But she can throw out some ideas to clean some stuff. And I'm going to tell you what, it works. Things that I would never think of. I don't know what it is that you need to see with soft eyes, but as Jesus is casting a kingdom vision, not just for you, but for those around you and the things that you encounter, the things that you have, I wanna encourage you to come and see with soft eyes because that leads to you accepting and believing, sacrificing and following, trusting and surrendering where you are cast in a kingdom vision. So let me ask you this today, heads bowed and eyes closed. How many of you would say, you know what? I know Jesus is wanting to cast me in a kingdom vision, but I've allowed some things to get in the way. See, these disciples could have said to Jesus, listen, we got to mend our nets. We'll catch up with you. Can I call you tomorrow? Can I have my people call your people? They could have said, you know what? We got a pretty successful business. We own a boat. Lots of people don't even own a boat. We own a boat. It's our boat. You want to use it, you got to rent it. Jesus cast a kingdom vision for it and they caught it and saw what it could be. Not a boat, but a pulpit. Not fishermen, but fishers of men. Not just a guy from Nazareth, but the savior of the world. I wonder today if there's anybody in the room that would say, I know Jesus is casting a vision, but it's hard for me to come and see, accept and believe. It's hard for me to sacrifice and follow and trust and surrender. It's hard for me to be cast in that role today I want to be. Today I want Jesus to help me to catch the vision that he has for me, for those around me, for the stuff that he's given me, the money in my bank account, the talents that I have. I want to be cast in the role for the kingdom. And I don't want anything to get in the way of that. If that's you this morning, you would say, I just want prayer. I just want to accept what Jesus is doing, even though I know it's going to be difficult. I know it's going to be hard. It's a challenge and a struggle, but I'm going to accept it. You want to be cast with kingdom vision today. Slip up your hand, leave it up for just a second. Hands up all across the room. Anybody else? down Jesus today for every person who raised their hand we stand with them Lord I I raise my hand I don't know what you have planned for me but Jesus no matter how I see the role or how the world sees the role whatever you cast me in I know it's going to be exactly where you want me and Jesus I need the strength to do that 
I need the strength to see and, and, and the ability to see things through your eyes today. Father, not hold so tightly onto things that I can't let them go if that's what you want me to do. That, Father, I wouldn't be so tied up in the worth of something that I can't see the value of it. Lord, that I wouldn't struggle so much with it that I can't give it to you and play this part with excellence. Jesus, today, past kingdom vision in us. Past kingdom vision in us. If you raised your hand, that's your prayer. Right now, begin to pray that out. Cast kingdom vision in us. If you didn't raise your hand and you want to pray it, pray it anyways. If you didn't raise your hand because you're already doing that, begin to pray for the people who did. Jesus, cast that vision in us to be who you've called us to be, the church. And then, Father, when we say the words, go be church, we understand that it means more than just the sum of those three words. Father, call us out into the roles you would have us to be in. Cast the vision in us. Let us come and see. Give us the strength and the the wherewithal to accept and believe. Father, the ability to sacrifice and follow. And Lord, that ultimately we would trust and surrender everything to you as you cast a kingdom vision. Lord, we love you and praise you. And it's in your name we pray. Maybe you're here today and some of this is foreign to you because you don't know Jesus as your Savior. John announced Jesus as the, the Lamb of God. What that meant to people was that this was going to be somebody who would sacrifice himself for you and I. We had no way of beating sin of coming back to God. Yet Jesus provides that way because he was cast that way by the Father. Kingdom vision. And he ends up going to live, he lives a sinless life and becomes a sacrifice for you and me because we can't pay that price ourselves. He dies for our sins. And he raises again, victorious over death, hell and the grave so that you and I can be connected with God. We can have eternal life so that we never have to be out of the presence of God. And so this morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your savior, he is casting you for a role today. He's casting you to be saved. The vision, the kingdom vision for your life is to come to know him as your savior, your king. So this morning, if you need Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to invite you to simply slip up your hand. I don't want this time to go without the opportunity. I got you. Did you put it up? You can put it right back down. I got you. You raised your hand. You accepted Jesus. Angels are celebrating today. Heaven is erupting today. And we're celebrating with you in this place. I want to encourage you to do this. Begin to just pray. Ask Jesus to come into your life. 
Ask Him to be your Savior. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins and acknowledge that He died for them and that He died for you and rose again. And invite Him into your life. And once you do that, here's my encouragement. When we end service, I want you to find somebody, find myself, find one of the staff members, find one of the board members, somebody in the church and tell them that you gave your life to Christ today. Tell them that you accepted the the role that Jesus has given you today. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Don't forget to visit us at LifeChurchROA on Instagram and Facebook for updates, service times, and ways to get involved. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we would love to partner with you on your next steps. Visit LifeChurchROA.org slash Jesus to learn more. We love you and we can't wait to see you soon.